The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. We're going to look at probably one of the most familiar passages, arguably, in all of Scripture. And I hope this morning you can glean, understand, see into the depths of the passage, and not a new way, but something is added to all of our understanding and application of God's infallible inerrant word. And so I'm going to ask you to join me in Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. Title this morning is Finding God's Will in a Wayward World. Probably the question I'm asked or it is discussed with me the most, how do I find God's will? How do I know when I'm in God's will? Some of this may be to some degree repetitious. Uh, we've kind of got a few weeks here uh, before we start our series on marriage. And I wanted to make sure we just nailed a few things down. Uh, this morning, I hope you're confronted with some things that the Holy Spirit uses to convict and to challenge you. Um, but it, it is, and I would ask you before we start, what do you know of God? Who is He? And we would naturally say, well, He's Savior, He's Creator, He's Redeemer, He's Abba Father, right? We have all all these ideas, all of these You could argue definitions or descriptions, but really, who is He? Do you really know Him? Or do you possess an idea of Him? Right? Have you been taught about Him? Or can you say, I know Him, I've walked with Him, I've talked with Him, I've studied His Word. I understand that, that He is Creator. And so we as the creation must stop looking at Him and understanding Him as an aspect of creation, but the in fact Creator. And so that elevates Him. Because A.W. Tozier, in understanding the holiness of God, made this statement. The God of contemporary Christianity is only slightly superior to the gods of Greece and Rome. If indeed he is not actually inferior to them, in that he is weak and helpless, while they at least had some power. You see, who God is dictates to you your response to him. And so if God is in fact weak and powerless if He is not sovereign and omnipotent, then there's no consequences for sin in our life. And so we will allow and condone, we will entertain the idea, the presence, and the repetition of sin, lest we define God as He's revealed Himself. So when we say, how do you, how do we find, how do we know we're in God's will? That first comes with a proper biblical, theological, doctrinal understanding of who He is. Not who your preacher said He was, but who God's revealed Himself to you to be consistent with Scripture. 
You cannot follow God any more than you know God. See, friend, understanding, recognizing and responding to the revelation of the Almighty, and this revelation is complete, you don't even need to want to know more. Everything God wanted you to know about Himself is contained in the context of Scripture. It is complete and whole for you to know everything. And so we try, listen, catch this, we try to understand, to believe, rather than believing to understand. Do you see how that's different? I must decide whatever God says, it is the truth, because if He is in fact God, as He's revealed Himself to be, and He is omnipotent, He's omnipresent, He's omniscient, He's sovereign, He's just, He's holy, He's glory, then He cannot speak an untruth. And He is also just in that, if I define Him the way Scripture defines Him, He hates Matter of fact, he is unapproachable from the perspective of broken humanity without the person of Jesus Christ. We don't even enter his presence without Jesus Christ. And so that understanding, we approach him as again an aspect of creation rather than the creator. So that gives me the ability to identify with him on a horizontal level rather than an authoritative vertical level that cannot be questioned. And so if he's a creation, which he is not, he has always been, he is self-sufficient in that he needs nothing. God does not need rest. God does not need wisdom. God does not need more information. God does not learn anything new. All wisdom that is comes from Him. So understanding again His self-revelation and putting Him into the proper position of authority in your life is key to finding God's will. Because if God is not in that position... And you cannot tell me who God is. And I don't mean God is love. Sure, yes, that's his one of his attributes. But how is he God superior? Or is he God little g inferior? Because if he's inferior, then you get to decide. If he's inferior, then you have the freedom to argue your will against his. Right? But if he's superior, then that demands my surrender to his good and perfect will. So, everyone got that? Oh, yeah, you look like you do. So, consider this for just a moment. Without a doubt, and I'm going to ask you, what is it you think about? Right when, when your mind is settled or you're in bed at night or you wake up in the evening, the morning, and you're through the day and you're bored and your mind wonders, where does it wonder? For without a doubt, the mightiest thought the mind can entertain is who is God? It doesn't matter whether you're a philosopher, a theologian, or a child. The same question exists. Who is God? 
Where did he come from? See, these questions must be entertained and must be answered for God to be in a place that you would even entertain the idea of being concerned with his will. Because if he's not sovereign, then he can't guarantee the outcome, so why would you want to gamble with being in his will? But if he is therefore sovereign, then that governs to me intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, that if he's sovereign, then he ensures his will and the outcome, which demands my surrender. So again, when we say or ask, how do I find God's will? First, you've got to come with the proper position of God's authority in your life. Or his will has no merit and value. And it's not an intellectual discourse. We stopped thinking far too long ago as Christians. Have you read and heard the sermons of the late 1800s and early 1900s and read the books? They speak a language we don't even understand anymore. The depth of words, the brilliance of speech, the intellectual capacity of these believers. And so, to find God's will, I ask you to entertain this idea. God is unchanging. He has no need to change. Everything around and under Him is demanded to change for His glory. Is that correct? So, in all our efforts to find God's will, to please Him, to walk with Him, to commune with Him, we should remember, in fact, that all the change must be on our part. So when I recognize God as, as the authority of my life, and, and I want, and I say, and I express, I desire to be in His will, He first must be in that proper position of authority in which, which dictates, which demands that I, I don't expect him to change. You see, I don't expect him to all of a sudden be okay with sin. I don't expect him to all of a sudden be okay with my rebellion. And I was born a rebel. And that's why I don't know I'm one. We were all born in the transgressions of sin and the presence of sin. That's why it's hard for us to recognize that we're flawed. No, nothing broken ever wants to recognize that it's broken. Because that also would demand a surrender to something more powerful and something far more or better and perfect, which is God. And so again, all of, all of this comes into play when you say, well, I just, preacher, I just want to, I want to shift gears. <laughs> And be right in the middle of God's will. Well, again, the first question is, who is he? Because if you can't answer that question, the other is never going to be worth it to you. So you'll never find it. It's not worth finding. Because God in your mind is inferior to the God of the ancients. And he's in fact not. He's the creator, sustainer. He's the sovereign one. And so let's look at our passage now that our introduction is over. 
I didn't really, I, I, I put messages together differently than most, and I really don't know how this is going to go from here, so best of luck to you. Um, I, I try, and, this is just such a familiar passage, and my hope is that when you leave here, you have a systematic approach to surrender. Systematic means it's reproducible. It's explainable. It has steps to it. Because I like steps. I like real simple steps. Number one, Eric, wake up. Number two, Eric, eat oatmeal. I got high cholesterol, so I've been eating oatmeal like it's going out of style two or three times a day. I think it's a bit of an overkill. But have you ever put pecans in that maple and brown sugar oatmeal? It's like pecan pie. And a little honey, half a stick of butter. mm, I'm hungry. All right, let's read our passage. If you would stand out of recognition for God's infallible inherent words, serving as a final authority in all matters of faith and practice, because he's God. Because he's creator, not creature, not created. We surrender, we listen, we understand, and we respond to his divine superiority and authority. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him or acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Lord, I pray that this application, that the intensity of this morning would be from my life, my understanding, my response to you. Lord, you'd set our hearts on fire for your will and your ways and the knowledge of you. For Lord, we live ignorant, and in our ignorance we rebel. For if we understood who you were, rebellion would die in mere seconds. Surrender and worship would be the desire of our hearts. But we relish our ignorance to serve our self-will. So Lord, it is time that we die. I am crucified with Christ, and therefore I no longer live, but it is He that lives in me. In the name of the sovereign, omnipotent King of glory, we pray. Amen. You be seated. So we're going to walk through this. It says trust. Well, again, for me to trust has got to go back to who is He? Because, hey, I don't trust folks. I mean, anybody in here ever been disappointed or misled by someone? And it just burns you a little bit, don't you? So we more live expecting people to lie than be dishonest, right? You ever lied? I did once. <laughs> so when we, he says trust, well, why would you trust him? I mean, that's the first question. Now, if you're living seeking His will, if you're living in faithfulness, then you trust Him, and so therefore you know who He is. But if you're not living in trust, then you don't know who He is. And my concern is if we don't know who He is, are we saved? Now, preacher, now you better be careful. Don't you make people question their salvation. Well, Paul Paul says, I ain't nobody. 
Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So friend, I'd ask you, the God who saved you, who is he? Now listen. And if he is not the God that demands your surrender, then he is not the God. And so you must therefore doctrinally and theologically question your position in Christ. If he has never been worth your surrender, then he is no different than the God of the ancient idols. But if he is worth your surrender, then he is in fact the God of Scripture, the Bible, and of truth then you are secure in Christ. That's a tough one. But he says trust. Well, again, for me to trust goes back to my definition. Is he just? Is he faithful? Is he consistent? Is he predictable? Is he kind? Is he just? Is he gracious? Is he merciful? Can I trust him with my family, my possessions, my future, my my eternity? Friend, trust. Demands a response, not an evaluation. And most of us are still in the process of evaluation rather than response. If I'm going to trust him, then I'm, I'm just going to hit on a, a couple things. Then his word means something to me. If I trust him, I'll, I'll, one of the most important men in my life, you guys know, was my grandpa. And he didn't say much. Man, I think he told me he loved me once. He hugged me right before he passed away. Other than that, he's just tough getting thing out of. But we sat on that porch. My favorite place in the world was on that porch. I've, summertime, he had a strawberry patch. And I don't know if you've ever had saltine crackers. Strawberries and vanilla ice cream. But if you ain't, you ain't Baptist, that's for sure. <laughs> but we'd set, he grows strawberries and we'd go pick them. I'd go up there and during the day and just sit in the middle of the patch and eat them till I vomited. We'd sit there and we'd swing and he'd smoke and I'd just wait for him to talk. Man, if he'd just say anything to me. Because there's no one I trusted more than that man. There's no, no one I felt like wanted to spend time with me as much as he did. He'd take me fishing. We'd sit for five hours and watch that cork. He didn't care if we caught fish or not. It ate me up. We wasn't catching nothing. I'd be like, you want to go over there? You want to go over there? Nope. Life was good. He needed nothing else. And so I would sit as a kid and just wait. Or something would break, and then he would drag it out. Because, right, you don't pay anything, you don't want to fix anything. We would work on it together, and he'd teach me. But I trusted him. And so I valued, listen, my time with him and the lessons he had to teach me. If you trust God, then you value what he has to say to you. If you don't trust him, what's the point of reading that thing? Now, if I think he, he is really, if I believe that he really created me, that, that the reason for my existence was 
to, to dwell, to worship Him? Wouldn't that demand a greater response than that which we give? Would it not? Okay. So trust. I don't like to trust. Because trust means I'm vulnerable and I must put myself in a position to be disappointed or hurt. Well, guess what? All things work together for the good of those that love Him and the call according to His purpose. He's promised to be faithful. And so therefore, if God is who He says He is, then I can trust Him, trust Him with everything. Family, money. Friend, nobody likes to hear about tithing, but if you don't trust God with that, then what value does He have to you? And so I challenge you, just start making steps. Any step towards faithfulness is the best step you can make. Let's keep going. It says trust in the Lord. Not trust in someone you don't know. It doesn't say trust in a stranger. What is taken for granted here is the merit of God, the love of God, the commands of God, the expressions of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God is of the highest priority in your life. So he's saying, you can trust me. That's a, it's a self-disclosure. It's a self-revelation. I'm worthy of your trust and not just a little bit, not just a little bit, not just here and there, but trust me with all your All of it. You can't trust just a little. You see, trust is complete. It's it's hard as a fallen human being in a fallen world. It goes against the grain of everything because we have no comprehension of perfect. Listen, we don't have a comprehension of perfection. How do we imagine? How do we conceive of a God who is sinless when we live in a sinful world. That's hard to do. But he says, I am sinless, I am holy, I am just, I am gracious, I am kind. So you can trust me. Not just a little bit, but with your whole heart. Which means every facet of your life. Trust. And do you see how it's a command? Which is interesting. He doesn't ask you to trust Him. He commands you to trust Him. Which is an interesting perspective that only the Creator can make. You see, He can command your trust because He knows and has proven Himself to be trustworthy. If you asked me if you should trust me, I would say as far and as long as I am walking with the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then it says, do not rely on your own understanding. Uh-oh. We've been talking a whole lot about understanding. But it's an understanding that comes from the exploration of the truth and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not my own understanding. Humanity, broken and narcissistic at best. Self-worshippers. 
self-protectors, lost, deprived, living in a position of self-preservation, not thriving, listen, lost, broken, indeemed, damned to the pit of hell without the person of Jesus Christ. That's humanity. And so when I respond to him, it must be from not just a point of, okay, I believe you're God, but of one of absolute desperation. The Lord, if you're not over this aspect of my life, it won't prosper. Health, in, in above this, in the passages before this, it says, you follow my commands, I'll keep you healthy and allow you to prosper. Friend, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on my own understanding. My own understanding is separate than the truth of Scripture. He's saying, you read this, you figure out who I am, and once you have that knowledge, once you have some degree of understanding, and that's why he gave you Scripture so you could know him. You could understand some things. He's not hidden himself. If you don't know who He is, you chose your ignorance. If you don't give your life to Him, you chose your eternal consequence. God has never hidden. Natural revelation, general revelation, special revelation, He has unveiled Himself in every way imaginable through creation alone. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know Him. In all your ways, with all your heart, in all your ways... Listen, he will make your path straight. I'm not the smartest human being, but guess what? I'm not a gambler either. I don't understand gambling. And Chuck E. Cheese is the highest form of gambling ever created. And Baptist is okay with that, but don't mention no lottery ticket. I bought four yesterday. I'm still got to scratch them babies off. Just kidding. I don't get gambling um, what I have is, is I consider valuable and not worth taking risks for. I also like in my life, I like the short route. I don't like drama. I don't like complications. I don't like unnecessary hardship. When I think of how to do something, and Jeanette can tell you, I've, I've thought of a thousand ways before I ever get to it. And I've determined the fastest, most effective way. Because I want that path to be straight. So, he says, trust in me, acknowledge me, surrender to me, and I'll make you path straight. Well, friend, in this life, straight doesn't mean perfect. Straight does mean protected. Hey, these, these kids learning to drive, the most sharp curves of the hills of Arkansas made me a little nervous. Down here, I guess you just go in the ditch. That's about the worst. But I want that path in this life to be as straight as it can be. Not easy, but protected. That he would come through and superimpose his will into my life. Friend, my life Given the choice is going to be as curvy and bumpy and as gravelly and potholy as it can possibly be. But when his hand navigates, I'm going somewhere. 
I'm not going or living in circles, which is what we do. Think about it. We surrender, ask for forgiveness, then we rebel and fall back into sin. It's just a constant circle. When we trust Him, which is, God, I'm not going to surrender to you, which is an aspect simply out of fear, because I don't want you to punish me, or because I, I just want you to bless me. Friend, you, our faithfulness should not be so God blesses us. It should be because He has always been worth it. And that in itself changes our position again and our understanding of who He is. And so I want to give you four truths real quick. If you're writing anything down, jot these down. I'm going to turn you loose. If you're asking questions about God's will, number one, if you're looking for His will, it will never contradict His word. There is no way God is ever going to lead you to do anything that goes against the truth of Scripture. Do you understand? God didn't lead, lead you to disobey Scripture. He will not lead you in any capacity related to such an event, an ordeal, or entertaining an idea. If you want God's will, it's right here. Okay? And He's not hidden it. Now, your choice is again, to be in it or not. And he does give you that choice. Number two, I like this one. God's will never contradicts his character. You know, God's never going to lead you. The Holy Spirit is never going to give you an impulse that is not gracious, kind, and forgiving. That is not loving, patient, and humble. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the rebel, that's what the fallen man in all of us does. So first, he's not going to contradict his words. So don't ever tell me, don't waste my time telling me you thought God wanted you to do something against his word. And now you're in a bind and you're trying to figure it out. Go back to the mistake you made. Ask for forgiveness. Repent from it. And you'll find His presence again. Another thing. You'll never have the peace and the presence of the Almighty outside His will. We've lost the knowledge of His presence, His power, and His peace. We are anxious, depressed, bitter, envious, and jealous. Because the Spirit of the Almighty does not guide us. Our own understanding does. I hope that walks with you. Number three. God's will never... Oh, 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 this is is a tough one. God's will never compromises your witness. You are created in the image to be an image bearer. That you reflect the glory of the Creator. The one whose very words spoke everything into existence. He is not dependent on anything. Nothing pre-existed him. It is his power and it is his power absolute which enables his sovereignty. He is absolutely sovereignly powerful. There's no one or anything that changes the outcome when it's God's will. 
Nothing. So that demands again that I understand who he is and who I'm supposed to be so that my witness, and if ever you say God called you or asked you to do something that compromised the image of God in you before others, that's inconsistent. It's, it's illogical. It's not scriptural. He's told you to turn the other He's told you to forgive, right? There's nothing retaliatory about his commands between humanity. Now, he does say vengeance is his because he is in that position of authority. I am never to be. So again, you got to understand who he is. And I just... Last night, I mean, I just woke up and just spent time meditating. Which, guys, there's nothing wrong with it's scriptural. That means just stopping. Who is he? Who is he that I should surrender? Who is he that makes his will better than mine? Because I don't want to surrender my will unless his is better. And friend, I think we've all lived long enough to know. Last, God's will never complicates the truth. God is not in the business of confusion, but of peace, love, and a sound mind. Anytime there is disunity, anytime there is a spirit of unrest, Anytime there is a spirit of division, of confusion, it is not the spirit of the Almighty. And so God will never lead you to do anything, listen, that complicates someone's understanding of His Word. Because you as His child are to know His wishes and will. And carry yourself in such a way that your life, again, not just bears witness, but testifies to the truth. And the truth is His Word. Because, friend, this is all I know about Him. But it's all I need to know. There's no desire for me to say, is there anything more? This is sufficient. It is efficient. For me to have full understanding that is necessary for my salvation and my surrender. So I ask you, who is he? Who is he that you would surrender your will to him? And friend, if we haven't surrendered our will to him, who is he that he should have the power to save us? Who is a God that is not worth your worship, what power does he have? And so, when I ask you, who is he? You testify. You testify to your understanding of God by the way you live. You say, so you know what you think about him already, don't you? He is... 
less than the God of the ancients, idolatry, sexuality, thieving, stealing, or he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, which demands my absolute surrender. God has no place for partial surrender because he is absolutely powerful. If he was partially powerful, then we could partially surrender. But that's not his revelation. But the question is, does God tell the truth or not? And if he's telling you the truth, that demands trust. And trusting God looks different. I'm going to close with this statement. Trusting God looks different than believing there's a God. Okay? So I think most of us here believe we're God or this exercise in itself would be insane. So we believe there's a God. But do you trust Him? Lord, as we close our time together, I pray that we would compare our lives to Your revelation. That we would not use the ignorance or the excuse of ignorance and our lack of understanding as a license to misrepresent you, to misrepresent your will, and to dishonor you with our lives. So Lord, as your son, you've asked me to, to taste and see, right? Lord, you, you show me everything you need to show me. For me to stop. And Lord, I thank you for your presence and the warmth and the peace of it, the power of it, the clarity of it. I have walked in confusion and fear. And those days, they must end. Lord, if I trust you, there's no fear. I trust you, there's only peace. If I trust you, my paths are straight. I won't be coming back this way again. So Lord, I pray that we all seek that we may find. That we will knock so that the door will be open because you've not hidden. You've never ran. You're not afraid. You created us to know you. It is on our part that the hiding happens. So Lord, convict, lead, restore. Holy Spirit, turn loose. I'm sorry. Please forgive me, Lord, for for battling for the leadership in the lordship of my life. I sure like my will, but it's a mess. God, make my path straight. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, friend. I'm going to be right over there, um, my, my, my pew, right? If, if I can pray with you, if I encourage you in any way, but altars open. And if there's a decision, or if there's been things that you need to change in your life, friend, 
I don't know what you're waiting for. He's not going to be any less God tomorrow than He is today. And when He demands in your heart a response, a repentance, what are you waiting for? Trust the Lord with all your heart. So the altar's open if you need to come and pray. And just repent, restore, seek Him, ask Him to reveal Himself, and He will. But you better be prepared to respond. He is not a God that you should mock. Holy Spirit, again, you have your way. Amen. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.